Man, you had quite the story. It was crazy. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Like pretty, I was pretty insane. A few things that happens early on, and then things kind of chilled a bit, and I got to get the better of it. But at the beginning, yeah, yeah it was a, it was a lot happening in the in the first four years of my life for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that we connected over a cryptocurrency, and you know, talking about that, and then I read your story, yep. and I was like, man, like. I want to talk more about your story and less about crypto, but right, right. they do intertwine together. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, thank you for having me here. It's, it's great. And I'm happy if we can, can discuss it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get, let's get going. Welcome to the LAX experience. And, uh, you know, we're, we're bringing you on because you have severe hemophilia A and you are, yep. you have your own business. You're very successful and knowledgeable about cryptocurrency and you, Part of your story is you've had, well, first I'll give your, your I'll give everyone your name, which is Benoit. Yeah, that's ben, right. You call him Benoit or Ben. And you've had 40 surgeries before the age of six. You have severe hemophilia yep. A. You had a raptured catheter in your heart. And I mean, and then a nurse gave you blood thinners that put you in a coma. Like yeah. that is insane, brother. I mean, absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, so I got to give the backstory. So I'm 19 years old now. Um, I got diagnosed with hemophilia A severe at 11 months old. Uh, my parents took me on a trip when they went on holidays and they just passed me around in the water. They started having bruises on my ribs and a bit everywhere. And they thought something was wrong. And actually, um, when they went to the doctors, um, yeah. they thought they, the doctors thought they were beating me. Um, which obviously wasn't the case. It was just um, the matter that I had hemophilia A severe. And um, unfortunately, we learned later down the line that um, my venous system is actually um, as developed as the venous system of about a four-year-old um, oh, wow. due to an issue I have with plasminogen, which is mm -hmm. a protein that's uh, in most veins. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the issue with that is that essentially, um, every time I try to do an injection in traditional veins, like you do, for example, um, they just tend to either roll or um, pop or just bruise very easily, yeah. which make uh, injection every 48 hours almost impossible. Um, so all my life, I had to have uh, either catheters um, a bit everywhere, I had them on my neck, had them on my chest, on my arms, on my legs, I have them everywhere. Wow. And um, later down the line, when I started to be 13, 14 years old, and you start to get the age of wanting a bit to be able to do it by yourself and to not have to rely on people yeah. to, to live, essentially, yeah. um, they decided to do something pretty rare for hemophiliacs. Um, so I got a fistula, which is essentially they take the, so you have the artery mm -hmm. and you have the vein. And they cut the artery in half and they put it in the vein. Oh, so wow. the vein grows pretty seriously. I can okay. show you here, I think. So you can see the vein is like yeah. this Yeah, it's now. very pronounced in your arm. You can really see it. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, it's really big. Um, it's a normal vein is about 600 milliliters per minute mm -hmm. uh, in the arm. And mine is about 2.3 liters per minute. So it's oh, wow. really big. I mean, it's much bigger than any other artery I have in my body. Wow. And essentially this allows me to do injections every 48 hours. Um, I'm on Advait uh, 3000 Unity. Uh, every 48, case, you're uh, infusing every 48 hours right now? That's right. Yeah. Wow. I've been That's doing that for the past, uh, for the past uh, 14 years, uh, mm -hmm. uh, essentially. Um, I switched to uh, Hemlimbra 
but unfortunately it didn't work out so well um, really because i have hemophilia a severe yeah. but i also have a separate disease that's uh less known um that's called pi one deficiency mm-hmm. so essentially what pi one is um so if i cut myself the traditional thing clothing doesn't work because of hemophilia but yeah. pi one essentially destroys the clothing when it's done when it's being created by the body yeah. it sort of breaks it down uh, which makes hemophilia worse um if you oh, wow. if you want to see it like oh, that wow. so yeah. essentially that was that was a pretty big problem when you get joint bleeds and stuff like that because it just stays for a really long time. Yeah. So I need to do injections very often. And Hemlimbra keeps you at around 20% coagulation rate, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And uh, it, it wasn't sufficient for me, sadly. Okay. I, I tried for a month and it just didn't go very well. I had bleeding yeah. everywhere all the time. So yeah, that's I went back to Advate. Yeah, Hemolibra yeah. is really big right now. And you know, I've heard a lot of success stories with it. Um, so it's, inter- I, uh, yeah. it's interesting though, but you, you have kind of, um, additional health concerns and things that have like stopped that medication from yeah. working properly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, I've always told, um, hemophiliacs that have asked me, uh, sort of what happened with Emlimbra. I've always made it very clear because mm-hmm. there's so much, so many people that say it really changed their lives and it's been working great for them, but yeah. I don't want them to feel, um, like they shouldn't try because it didn't work on me. I'm sure yeah. it's going to work on many people and. I'm sure it's working very well for most people even listening to, to this right now. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah de- definitely give it a try if you can, for sure. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it must have, with all this going on, it must have taken a huge toll on your family when you guys were growing up. I mean, financially, yeah. maybe even with relationships. I mean, would you mind talking about that a little bit? No, no worries. Um, so I was very lucky to be born in Switzerland, a uh, renowned wealthy country. So um, health insurance always covered um, most of the expenses. Mm. Um, how Expenses-wise, um, I in Switzerland, you have to pay for 1% of your medications. So I pay 1% of mm. um, the Advade that I need, yeah. uh, which is very expensive a year, even 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to Americans, I'm obviously very lucky because I know you guys don't have, some of you guys at least don't have uh, the luck that I've had. Mm-hmm. But um, my medication on a yearly basis costs between four hundred thousand and five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So it costs my family five thousand Swiss francs uh, dollars uh, a year, uh, okay. essentially to to maintain that. Um, uh, I, I mentioned Pi One deficiency, mm-hmm. so um, uh, they couldn't get tested in Switzerland because we didn't have the machinery necessary to do yeah. the tests. Yeah. So my mom actually had to take a loan. Uh, mm-hmm. and fly to Boston uh, and do the test there and pay for everything cash essentially because the insurance company didn't take the... Didn't, so you were, so um, that procedure was experimental, right? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, yeah. It was a brand new technology that um, wasn't very known. Um, essentially, Pi1 is very, very, very little research has been made because yeah. um, it, it actually came uh, from Mormon families Okay. Uh, who turned out to have the deficiency and just didn't yeah. really understand what was going on. And then yeah. somehow it sort of propagated towards other countries and Europe. But it's mm-hmm. very rare for people to be detected because of the necessary tests that you need to do. Yeah. So it's very hard to put a number out there to say there are X amount of stuff. However, it does touch everybody in my family and it will touch everybody in, down my family line. Yeah. So I got it from my mother, just like hemophilia. Yeah, and then um, I I have a little sister who has it as well, okay. and then uh, I have it obviously as well. But um, 
it's good that you talk about relationships with my family with families and stuff because i think it's really overlooked uh from um how being yes I'm, i was the sick child and the one that had to be taken care of but um as parents it's truly truly difficult uh to to deal with um my mom was just my just my my star essentially she devoted her life to making sure I could get all the treatment I ever needed. Um, she slept in the hospital countless of nights. She learned to do the injections, even though she was not a nurse or anything like that, um, yeah. so that she could do it at home. And I've, I've been extremely lucky and I feel extremely blessed um, to have her alone. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that has uh, impacted her. Um, she's gotten pretty severe PTSD and depression. And she actually had to stop working and is now um, getting therapy to, to deal with it. Wow. Um, my little sister has been doing a bit better, but she also has PTSD from just seeing pretty tough stuff that you shouldn't be seeing as a kid. Uh, I was always yeah. bleeding a lot. Uh, it was always pretty stressful going to the hospital three, four times a week. It's, it takes a toll on, on a family. And yeah. my parents, unfortunately, it was too much for them. And um, they decided to get separated when I was around. 10 years old yeah but it's uh it's something that's much more common than people would think uh even in switzerland i i can talk from experience mm -hmm. because in switzerland um hemophiliacs are usually roomed with uh cancerous uh kids yeah. i don't know yeah. if it's the same, same everywhere in the world but same here okay well uh you could see clearly that in the it, it really truly separated families uh mm -hmm. my parents have always told me about those uh it it really it's a really horrible thing for a parent i mean you you can't think of something more horrible than your child having to go through um hardships and pain and and everything that goes with it and it it, it's, yeah. it destroys families it really does yeah i agree yeah i definitely think that's something very important to um continue to talk about and you know i um later when i got older i started to really consider how that how my disorder might have affected my mother and father and also my brother right. who you know was you know, if you look back, maybe he thought I was getting all the attention or special treatment and, you know, yeah. so it's definitely something that you need to consider be, um, you know, um, conscious of. So I appreciate, yeah, you, appreciate you sharing that with me. You know, it's, that's, that's no, important. I mean, as long as you can help people, I mean, it's yeah. why I'm here, you know, I'm trying to give hope to, to people and say mm -hmm. that, um, there's always a way out. Yeah. You know, uh, to, to even add up to what I've said, um, my mom actually realized this pretty early on that um, it really separated families and mm -hmm. she wanted to find a way to kind of um, help families to deal with it. So she actually uh, wrote a book uh, to really? explain the hardships of uh, the hospitals and uh, really? constant fear of something happening and stuff wow. like that. And uh, she, she sort of... Um, she sold it. It became a bestseller in Switzerland, and then wow, uh, she no used to give it, what's give it the, to families. And, what's the name of the book? I'm sure yeah. people listening to this would love to read that. Yeah, it's called uh, Lemoglobin, which is in French. Unfortunately, okay. uh, we don't have it translated yet. Okay, but uh, I could send you a link happily. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been pretty great. As I said, I mean, my mom is my my biggest star she's the she's mm. the reason why i'm here today the reason why i've i've been able to accomplish certain things and without her my life would be very very different right now that's yeah. for sure yeah well that's awesome to hear um 
one thing that I'm curious about is how did this affect you growing up um, and going through school? Did, you know, did you know any other people that were suffering like the, in the same way that you were? Um, right. So school has been pretty difficult to deal with, uh, essentially because of absences and not being able to be in class. Yeah. So especially high school was pretty difficult. I went through quite a few surgeries and uh, issues related to addiction and stuff like that. That meant yeah. I, I missed quite a few classes. Um, but I was pretty lucky to never been bullied for what I had or and the kids were always uh, really understanding of the situation. The mm. teachers explained it well. My mom yeah. would come to class in primary school and explain what the situation is like. So the kids would understand to not try to push me around and stuff. And yeah. I've never had to deal with such things. I think I'm okay. pretty lucky in that sense. Yeah. Um, I, for a long time, I didn't know anybody that was going through sort of all of this. Mm -hmm. um, in my early years, I sort of lived in the hospital. I would very rarely been able to live. So around yeah. my one year old to five years old, I spent most of my time there. And after things got better, I got a, a set catheter to do my injections. Things were going better. Yeah. So I got to to move around and, and, and things got a, a bit better in that sense. Yeah. But um, it was very late that I realized that I wasn't the only one with hemophilia in Switzerland and that there was many other kids like me. Yeah. Um, Switzerland actually organizes a summer camp every year okay. for students with hemophilia. Yeah. And we just, we get along and we discuss how things are and they have activities planned for us and it's pretty great. Nice. So I, awesome. I, I did two of those uh, that was really sort of mind opening and I got to see um, other kids that were living the same thing. You know, it's kind of hard growing up and not, mm -hmm. not really being able to identify with others and stuff like that. That really, yeah. I think that really helped me grow uh, as a person. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. We have camps like that. Um, here in the United States as well. And I, I feel like yeah. it's very important. Uh, a lot of those camps teach it, they teach kids how to infuse properly and yeah. are self-infused, you know, and, and it's a really scary thing to do at first, but when, whenever you see your peers, um, you know, breaking through those fears and, you know, you kind of, it kind of inspires you to want to do it yourself. And that's actually how I learned how to self-infuse myself was in a summer camp like that. But, you know, wow. but those are, you know, those, those are like once a year or so. And when I got older, I, I really didn't know anyone like when I was a young adult and, you know, looking back, I, I think of so many moments where I was like, man, if I, if I would have just known someone like myself or had a mentor who could help me understand, you know, the mental aspect, you know, why, why was I feeling this yeah. way? You know, why do I feel so different? Um, I feel like my life could have been a lot better. And, you know, now in the times that we're living in, we have the internet, we have Instagram, Facebook, you know, podcast. And so it's like, it's the world is completely different now. And so that's why I pretty much do what I do now is like, I think about, you know, who is that guy that I needed when I was, you know, 14 years old. And there was a time where I was punching yeah. myself in the head because like, I didn't really, I didn't know what a bleeding disorder was. And so I would like punch myself in the head and be like, oh, am I going to die or like, it was just like, you know, the weirdest things. So, yeah, sort of like you're experiencing on yourself because you didn't have the background to or yeah. people explaining I it. I didn't um, have the I'm education. Sure yeah, I just knew I was like, man, yeah. I'm bleeding internally, but I don't really know what that means, you know? So, right, right. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand that, um, well, and I think, I think everybody with hemophilia, uh, has gone through, I mean, bleeding disorder as a whole, even has gone through it at some point and being like, 
is it really all worth it? Should I continue to infuse? Should I, yeah. should I do that? Um, I was very lucky to have a very supportive family, both my mom and my dad. Um, they always explained very clearly that I wasn't sick. It was only my blood that was sick. I yeah. would always be able to have uh, a normal life. And I just had to have some tweaks here and there, but I will always be able to, to have the things that I needed. And I, I, I mean, I can't be more thankful today because it yeah. really helped me be the person I am today. Yeah. Um, however, that being said, I think uh, I, viv I vividly remember a couple of times sitting in my bed at night and being like, why am I doing all of this? Why do I bother going to the hospital? They're not yeah. finding anything new. They're not helping me. I might as well just mm. stay home and deal with it by myself. And yeah, what the thing that saved me from that sort of loophole was that if I stopped injecting, Within the next day, I would have bleeds everywhere and I wouldn't be able to move. Yeah. So it was always sort of that reality check that came around and was like, yeah. all right, buddy, bring it back up, bring it together. Like you're going to have to do something. If not, this is not yeah. the life you want to be living. Yeah. So people who have perhaps hemophilia uh, B or even A or I don't know, people who mm -hmm. just maybe didn't have such harsh reactions to not infusing, I could definitely see it being... Uh, something that they would say, oh, it's not worth it. It doesn't make that much of a difference. And then they get bad internal bleeds. And then mm. when they're 40 years old, they can't work properly. And yeah, I think that compliance yeah. and adherence to your, your regimen is it's, I think it's one of the biggest issues that we face here. Um, a lot, yeah. you know, some people have really good support systems like, like yourself. Um, and then a lot of people, they don't, and you know, they, they think that they can just skip their infusions and that's, I personally did that as well, you know, and, you know, that's why I'm icing my elbow right now because, you know, yeah. I have a damaged elbow and a damaged right ankle. And there was just so many times when I was like, you know what, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll infuse tomorrow, or I can push through the pain another day or two. But what I didn't realize was that I was damaging my joints forever, you know, yeah. and some of the older guys now are, are even in wheelchairs and they're preaching, yeah, they're sure. preaching that same message. Hey, younger generation infuse listen you know just do it and uh, so i think yeah. that's it's an important message i'm glad that i'm glad that you're here as a role model to say hey you know i'm healthy you know i'm making the most out of my life but i'm doing it the right yeah. way you know I'm, I'm being responsible taking accountability for my disorder you know and if i want to live a, a fulfilling life i have to follow my regimen so yeah i mean i also i got lucky with my situation because my mom did my injection for 40 year, 14 years. Mm -hmm. She never missed a single day. She was sick. She would do it. She was in a bad mood. She would do it. No matter what the situation was, she would do it. Yeah. And then when I grew up, I was like, if she did it for so freaking long, like there is no way I can find an excuse to not do it. Yeah. And then also sort of wanting her to be proud of me and being independent and, and showing that I can take care of myself and, and stuff yeah. was, really important and i think also uh i i relate to the joint pains you have because uh i struggle with my ankles and uh, my hips and quite a few places that are almost constantly bleeding yeah um that i mean doctors have been pretty clear uh, you're gonna have some long-term effects on those and you're gonna have to either find a way so i i've to, I tried pretty much everything on the spectrum to yeah. to try and sort of calm the bleedings, cryotherapy, all of those, mm -hmm. um, the, yeah. even new technologies um, that's been that's been helping pretty seriously actually. And nice. it's just being able to 
never be close-minded on things uh, that you think are useless and always being able to say, okay, you know what, like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least I can try. And whether that being mental or physical, I mean, mm -hmm. I used to be the anti-advocate for meditation. Oh my gosh. Like it's, the use, it's a That's useless funny. thing. Like this is, this is like what monks do in their, like it's <laughs> not a real thing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and man. then I actually met someone, a, a, a big mentor of mine who, yeah. who was like, listen, buddy, like get your things together. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Actually try it on. And, and then after that, things have been just so much better, even on a mental yeah. side. And I do it every day. And yeah, it's oh really beneficial. God. But I, 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 was, hey, listen, I, I always said like this is useless. I'm going to pick your brain on that now. Like you just sparked my interest. Literally, you took the words like right out of my mouth. That was going to be the next thing I was going <laughs> to talk about, because as soon as you were saying, you know, be open minded to trying new things, you know, mentally, mentally and physically. Um, yeah, that's something that I haven't been until the past year or so. And one of the things that has really changed my life and it, you know, it's, I've, I've seen the difference, you know, I practice, I put it in play every single day and I committed to doing it and it was meditation. And yeah. I used to think meditation was for like crazy people, you know, or, or like yeah, you said, monks or whatever. And they were like, I was like, there's no way this works. And then, yeah. and then I came across a lady who actually made it seem normal. And she had these normal techniques and that didn't seem crazy to me. And I started to implement them. And I was like, I you know, I was blown away by the results. I was like, I feel so much better. Like mentally, I'm just more clear every day. And, right. you know, it, it literally sets your day up for success and prepares you for the things that you're getting ready to go through and helps you react better and, and be sharper. So yeah. I highly recommend it. With that being said, what, what are your techniques to, for meditation? So I use it mainly for stress relief and just to like be able to like bring it down and compose myself. Uh, I have a pretty stressful job. Things are happening uh, constantly. And uh, I just be every day before work, I just sit down. I take 15 minutes. I breathe in. I listen to like um, white noise. I don't know if you know what that mm -hmm. is, but like just ambient noise in the background just to bring, like just really be concentrated on, on my breathing and it's really just a breathing technique really yeah. that i've been using mainly and um i don't know what's your take on that but uh i, I i'm gonna throw it in there because it's kind of part of the same idea mm. but uh a few years ago i picked up uh people are, i know people have diverging opinions on that but yeah. uh, manifestation and yeah. sort of uh bringing things into existence if i can Absolutely. say like, yeah. like writing your goals down uh thinking i every night i go to sleep i think as if i had almost already achieved them Absolutely. and 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 really really working towards those goals every day at work and then at night i just sit down think reflect what am i going to do tomorrow and i cannot stress this enough it has been ridiculously ridiculously important for me and for my growth and wow. even things where i was like i'll throw it in there i don't know if it'll if it really happened and then you don't even realize two months later you've had everything yeah. you've sort of worked for and 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 hoped for and and it's it's really it works really great for me and i think people sort of get scared by the idea and say like oh, it's just going to take 15 minutes of my day but if you truly believe what you're doing is going to happen and you put the work in exactly. and you imagine that you already have it i'm, I'm 
confident that that's going to help you reach your goals. Wow. I love that, man. You are incredibly smart for being 19 years old, right? Is that what you said? 19. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I 19, wish yeah. I had your mindset when I was 19 years old. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do believe in speaking things into, ex into existence and, you know, writing things into existence, just like you said, almost as if you've already achieved it. And yeah. one thing that I I'll talk about real quick is when I was trying to change my identity and who I wanted to be to the world, I, I started out not knowing what I was doing. And I was on Instagram about seven years ago. And I, I literally wrote my profile bio as the things that I wanted to be, not the things that I was. And I didn't care if people made fun of me or, or not, but I, 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 and I, and I constantly practiced that. I will put in my bio, yeah. I'm a professional athlete. I'm an author. I'm a host of a podcast or whatever, you know, whatever it is, I'll do it before I've met that goal. And, and I will constantly wake up and tell myself, okay, if I'm a professional athlete or if I'm going to be a professional athlete, how am I going to act today? How would that person act? You know, what are the, what are the habits that person would do every single day? And, you know, I just, ingrain, you know, I throw myself into that environment every single day. And, and I think, um, you know, just consistency is the key. Like you said, if you just keep on practicing it yeah. over and over again, all of a sudden, you know, it's not going to work right away, but all of a sudden, two months later, you're like, holy crap. Like I, I accomplished that goal. I, or that opportunity that I kept on, you know, manifesting it showed up, you know, yeah. that is the biggest thing. And for me. And sometimes you don't even realize, you know, you don't even realize you're like, you kind of go through back through your notes and you're like, wow, like this really happened. It's crazy. Man. Yeah. 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 And, and then the, the other thing I want to share with you now that we're on the topic, the thing that changed my life as well is I have a morning journal and every morning I wake up and I write down what I'm great, grateful for. And you can see the sign back yep. there says grateful. Um, and, and I practiced that and that has been a life changer in itself, you know, that really sets up your day for having that, um, having a good heart, you know, and, and just appreciating the things yeah. that come into your life, appreciate the people that are in your life, the job you have, the opportunities, you know, I think a lot of times we, our lives get so hectic and we just go so fast and we never take that yeah. opportunity to sit there and think about all the blessings and amazing things that we, that we do have in our lives. So that, that yeah. has, that has really changed my life a lot. Yeah. So essentially I'm doing the same thing, but instead of doing it in the morning, I do it at night. Okay. Um, but same thing. Yeah. I've read uh, what I did during the day, uh, what I wished I, I was able to do, what I'm happy that I've done uh, three points that I think I did well today and then things I want to do tomorrow. Wow. And then I put the book down and I think about, uh, whatever it is I want to achieve at this current moment or mm -hmm. things I would like to change or things like that. And then yeah. in the morning I wake up, get ready, go to work and get ready to, that's awesome to get stuff going. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Do, we, do we have any questions? Do we have any questions or anything? No. Okay. Um, is it off right now? The live? Um, Facebook is okay. Is there anybody watching? Just one person. Okay. It's cool. We can end it now. If there's no questions. I wanted to test that out to see if there'd be any questions and stuff. W were there people on there in the beginning or there was, okay. I was just trying to mess with it. We can, we'll edit through that part, but I just, wanted, I wanted to see, I, I know there was people talking in the beginning, but I have my girlfriend helping me out with the, uh, with the, with the live stuff. Cool. Cool. Um, so, all right. You can end that though.
but yeah, man. So that, that's, that's awesome. man. that is like, those are some golden nuggets that I hope people truly listen to this and, and, and apply in their lives. I, Cause I really think that that helps people when they're going through times of depression or times when yeah. you, know, you can't see that light at the end of the tunnel for yourself. And you're just going through advert, you know, this medical adversity, you know, I found myself there a ton of times and, you know, using strategies like this has really helped me overcome that. Have you, yeah. um, you know, have you ever gone through really depressing times? And so, um, yeah, so kind of, yes, kind of the, the, essentially what happened was that I kind of grew up with not be because of anybody, just because of myself, I guess, of growing up and being like, whatever happens to me is fine. Like I see kids every day in the hospitals who are dying and who are have so much worse than me. Uh, you're not allowed to complain, uh, deal with it, grow up. Yeah. And it, it only works for so long. Uh, I realized that I thought I was going to be able to maintain that lifestyle all my life. Yeah. And then when I got into sort of growing up and turning 14, 15 years old, it kind of broke. It was like a, um, a card castle, you know? Yeah. A house of cards. And then uh, at some point the, the, the cards kind of fall apart and everything falls apart. And, and it, it was just difficult to deal with because I had never really dealt with depression or mm-hmm. with thinking I was not going to achieve anything in my life. So essentially what happened was that um, I got um, pretty serious cr- uh, chronic back pains that I developed from um, rowing. Uh, I used to be in my school rowing team and um, I, I was pretty big into sports uh, all my life. My family is really big into sports. Everybody yeah. in my family has been a professional athlete at some point. Oh, wow. And it was something I wanted to achieve. Uh, I played golf uh, and I still do, but just recreationally. I know you, do t- yeah. you did too. Yeah, I used to, point. man. I love um, it. And then uh, I picked up rowing uh, with hopes of getting into university with uh, rowing. Okay. And then I pulled some muscles and ruptured a muscle in my back and then that was gone. And since then I have back pains almost every day. Oh, wow. Uh, Unfortunately, what happened was that um, it sort of ruptured and that was the beginning of a slippery slope that led to me rethinking every life choice I had made until now. Yeah. So the pains got growingly bigger and bigger and I was used to joint pains. I was used to bleeding pains, yeah. but having like, it was kind of like a needle going through your back yeah. every day, whether you were standing up, laying down, didn't, positions didn't matter. Yeah. So it, it, I kind of fell towards the size of just taking medicine. So the pain would go away and started mm-hmm. softly with paracetamol. Then paracetamol wasn't enough. Went to codeine, codeine wasn't enough, went to morphine. And then I arrived to the maximum limit and then I had to get it illegally. And it was just a very big downfall uh, Mm -hmm. that I had to the point where uh, I went to a blood test, kind of oblivious to what the test they were doing. But actually the pharmacy had flagged me and said that on the next blood checks, they had to check for uh, the amount of narcotics that was in my body, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they did the test and I was through the roof and uh, Mm -hmm. I was straight sent to rehab. Uh, I did two weeks there, uh, full, full, um, essentially, uh, instead of just going down ladder step by step, yeah. I just stopped everything on a given, on the first day I entered. And the, f- the first week was the worst week of my life. I mean, it was really like in the movies. I got fever, vomiting. I 
couldn't walk straight. Yeah. It was it was just horrible times. And it was really hard to deal with mentally because you mm -hmm. never think you're a drug addict. It's more yeah. like my doctors gave me this. Yeah, uh, it's legal. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I just mm -hmm. he said if I if it hurts, I just take pills. It's it hurts. I took pills and it was like that. And yeah. and then you arrive in a place where people are doing like shooting themselves up and with hardcore yeah. drugs and yeah. you don't understand that you're doing anything anything bad you know and then you realize then you see the disappointment in your family and and it was it was a really tough time and it, it was at this time where I actually I think looking back it was the greatest thing that could have happened to me because I switched my life around starting from that point I remember walking out I was like 9 p.m I walked out went on the balcony and I just looked out and I was like man what are you doing like is this what you want to do with your life be high out of your mind the entire day that you can't think yeah. anything I have no memory of those years like looking wow. back I, it's almost like it never has like it never happened those two years are just mm. just I just remember people telling me what happened that's about it I don't remember first-hand experiences and that's and crazy. stuff like that so I, I remember actually reflecting and being like this is not the life you want to have you're disappointing the people you love the most and it's just not how, how it should be. So yeah. I managed to get off uh, after the two weeks. And I got out, went back to school, uh, played it off as a surgery because I had those mm -hmm. all the time. I didn't want people to know what I was actually dealing with. Yeah. And then uh, really just broke down uh, the amount of drugs. And then I was lucky enough to have already have some sort of cryptocurrencies at that time. So I had some sort of financial background that I could lay on. And I sort of took uh, almost like a salary that I dedicated only to my health. So I would go um, get massage therapy and stuff like that. Yeah. That I couldn't perhaps afford or, or didn't want to put that burden on my family before so that I could yeah. really just do everything I could to sort of power through that. And then mm -hmm. as soon as uh, I got a mental state that was kind of stable and everything. That's when I fully started back, uh, like, okay, now it's time to work and to catch up on everything you've, you've missed out in the, the uh, last two awesome. years, essentially. So you, you feel like you kind of hit rock bottom, like whenever you were in the rehab yeah. facility? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. I, I, I was on a high all my life and then one day everything fell to shambles. Yeah. And, and then it's when I was really like at the lowest point where you're like, what are you doing, man? Like, get your life yeah. together. And this is not what you want to live. This is not, you want to make your parents proud. You want to make your family proud. And it was just wasn't the case. And it was like, I'm not going to stay like that all my life. And yeah. It was, it was the click that I needed to, yeah. to really push forward. That, and, that light bulb moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sort of even bigger than that, it was like, all right, like I saw what happens on that side of the spectrum. Yeah. Now I want to experience the greatest side of the spectrum and like yeah. really going for the fullest, living life to the fullest and, and doing everything I can to, mm -hmm. to sort of make things happen. And, and, and yeah, and that's what I've been working on till that day, essentially. Yeah, man, you know, like sometimes I wish that people like that, even people that are listening now could understand that, you know, well, I feel like I wish a lot of people could avoid that rock bottom moment and by learning from like you and I, but I feel like that rock bottom moment is crucial. Like it's almost something that yeah, yeah, when you, yeah. when you go through it, like you've got two options. And I remember when I hit my rock bottom, I thought of two things. I was like, 
you know, the, there's an old saying, um, it's like, well, sink or you can sink or swim. And I was like, yeah. I got to the point where I was like, it's no longer sink or swim for me. It's either sink or fly. I'm throwing all my chips on the table. Yeah. I'm throwing all my chips on the table right now. Like I'm either going to end my life right now because I hate it and I don't want to be here or I'm going, I'm, I'm going to go all in. And that's what I did, man. I just yeah. threw all my chips on the table and that was the game changer. And, it, and unfortunately it took rock bottom. You know, I hope people listening to this could just be like, you know what? Let's not hit rock bottom. Let's just learn from them and, and, and go. And maybe, I, I that, maybe, so that will, maybe that will happen. You know, that's why we're doing yeah. this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I truly hope that it's possible, but if I kind of reflect back on myself from a few years ago, the thing is like, when everything is going fine and you think life is great and you haven't really reached the point of like, okay, like things are starting to not go my way and I need to sort of work things out a little, I would have never been able to put my life in perspective and be like, all right, buddy, like get your stuff together or switch yeah. directions or work yeah. on something you like. Or it, 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 because I hit rock bottom, I was like, okay, this is a, the exact opposite of what I want to do with my life mm. uh, and you sort of yeah it gave me as you said that light bulb moment that was like all right like this is time to do something about it yeah. uh, you've seen this you've been through it now it's time to to go to the complete opposite and I love the analogy you said about uh, sinking or flying that's yeah exactly what, what the mindset I had as well and yeah and I think I, I don't want to say that it helps people to go through rock bottom because it's never something you want to wish on on, yeah, on people, yeah. but it, it definitely does change your mindset uh, yeah. after if you manage to get out of it, obviously. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. You know, I feel like we got a really good idea of who you are, all of the adversity you've gone through and what you've overcome. And, you know, I want people to reach out to you even after this, you know, to ask about, you know, questions or struggles that they might have. And I think the fact that you, I mean, you're so intelligent and you're 19 years old, I think you're really going to connect with the younger audience. And um, so I, I definitely, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, reach out, reach out to Benoit. I mean, he, please I do. Think, yeah. I think it'd be a good, good resource, but uh, we're going to move on. I want to go to the fun stuff now. All right. We're going to talk about do it. cryptocurrency and it's funny because this is how we kind of got things going. The conversation between you and I, yeah. because I put, I put a post out there and I, I was, I was betting on the Super Bowl game. I was like, all right, who's going to win chiefs or uh, the Buccaneers. And I was trying to bet a hundred bucks and your bet with me was if, and I didn't understand it until afterwards, but it was like, if I lose, then I have to purchase a hundred dollars in Bitcoin. And if, and I guess if I win, then you would give me a hundred dollars in Bitcoin. And so yep. you were basically just like, man, like you you are obviously trying to promote this, like in, and help people with this. So I was like, all yeah. right, we got to bring this guy on now. And I bought a hundred dollars with a, with a Bitcoin, but now I've just got a ton of questions. And I just like, man, I want to, first of all, how did you get into Bitcoin? Who, who started you in the Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency game? And uh, I mean, what, let's talk about right. that. Sure. Before I answer that, it's kind of funny that you brought up the, the betting story. Yeah. Uh, just so people know, I have no idea about uh, American football. I actually <laughs> didn't know who I was betting on. <laughs> I, I, just, I just went like, you know what, like, let's do it. Uh, if, if you win, I'll send you I'll send you hundred dollars in Bitcoin. And if not, uh, 
you purchase it for yourself. And I got lucky, and the B side won, I guess. And yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I watched the Super Bowl for a couple of years because my uh, my friends were into it, but I yeah. I never really looked into it. I I know Brady and some some players, but I don't know much <laughs> yeah. about the sport. To That's all you need to know, Brady. Brady's good enough. You got my respect. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, I got into cryptocurrency because. Um, the full story is my fr- I got lucky and uh, I was pretty decent at school. So I was given a scholarship to go to a private school. Yeah. And um, that private school was a boarding school. And during the winter, the kids would go skiing from time to time. And because we're in Switzerland, there's snow everywhere. Yeah. And um, yeah. unfortunately, due to hemophilia, I, I couldn't ski. So I was actively looking for something I could do on the side that wouldn't be a schoolwork and that I could have like a passion project kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I was always interested in computers and understanding how things worked. And I, I, I got into a couple of forums of like decryption. So finding passwords for uh, computers that are logged or uh, Wi-Fi passwords or stuff like that. I was kind mm. of, I love finding passwords for, for stuff basically. Yeah. And um, one day in 2013, maybe, somebody brings up uh, in the forum like a cryptocurrency that um, was based on cryptography so the thing that um, helps you decrypt passwords and stuff and what helps make the password secure basically uh, about a currency that works on that um, that is um, not backed by a country meaning there's no country that or company that is um, behind the organization and kind of like a I understood it as a free-flowing economy where um, it was just peer-to-peer and sort of the money of yeah. the future, essentially. And I loved the idea. I, I, I looked into it. I read all the papers I could about it. And I was like, wow, this is great. But uh, I'm broke, so I can't buy anything. I <laughs> yeah. was a 13, 14-year-old guy in that time frame, almost no money. In that time frame, how much was a Bitcoin when you, were, when you got started? Uh, so the first ones I bought were $30. No. Are you serious? Oh yeah, they were God. $30. Oh, the man. first ones, the, I remember, I, I still remember, I bought the first one for $33 on Mongox, which is an exchange that I'll talk about later. Yeah. Uh, big controversy about that. But essentially, yeah, so I, I had no money, so I had to find a way to be able to buy some. Yeah. So I started selling some softwares that I had for cracking passwords and stuff. Yeah. And I only accepted Bitcoin as payment. So really? I sold a couple, uh-huh. but didn't have much. It didn't work very well. Uh, I got lucky to find a guy on the forum that had a website that sold those softwares. And yeah. I was happy to sell mine uh, and give me the Bitcoins back uh, after the sale, basically. Okay. So we we did it like that. And... I we did it for maybe three or four months and his website had actually pretty good visibility and I managed to sell I think 600 maybe softwares but they were they were like uh they were I think 4.99 so they were really cheap I okay. Mean, okay it was it wasn't like a lot of money back then yeah so then Christmas came along and I got uh, some money for Christmas as well yeah so I got a, I made a pool I bought um, all the bitcoins I could uh, with that money, which equal to about 50 Bitcoins in total. Okay. And then here comes the part that I talked about. So at the time, there was only one exchange and it was called Mongox. And it was the first place where you could buy Bitcoin. 
because before you could only get Bitcoin by something called mining, which is uh, giving your computational power for the system to, to work essentially. And I didn't know how mining worked and I couldn't really get into that. And I didn't have the, the computer or the something I could dedicate it to, to Bitcoin. Yeah. So sort of bought it and didn't understand the security aspect of it and just sort of left the money on, on Mongox essentially. And uh, I got very lucky. I, I invested about, I think one month before it, it, it's sort of skyrocketed in 2000 and, and 2013, 2014 uh, price quickly went to like $90 and then wow. $400. And yeah, so I was, I was 13 years old that had invested less than a thousand dollars. And that was now sitting on a pretty big chunk of money. Uh, but I, I'm not very materialistic. Uh, I didn't want to buy anything. I just wanted to hold it because I thought the currency was cool. Yeah. So I did that until uh, the sweet day that uh, the Mongox creator and CEO and owner uh, sort of looked at the amount of Bitcoin that, that was on the website and said, hold on a minute, this is untraceable. Uh, nobody will know the passwords to my Bitcoins. So I could just take the Bitcoins of everybody and fly away. No. And way. so he did. Are you serious? He, I've never there was no that. big security back then because oh it's kind of been it's kind of been quieted down by the media and Dang. especially by big Bitcoin investors because kind of bright brings the image down. Yeah. But sure. since then things have sure. changed immensely. I mean, it's impossible yeah. to to do something yeah. like that now. I mean, it, it was because back then there was virtually no regulations on on such yeah. a things yeah so the guy managed to do that and he escaped with wow. i don't remember how many bitcoins but a, a tiny bit wow. under 1 million bitcoins wow. so a lot of money even back then it was a lot of money yeah so at the at that moment i had lost maybe fifteen thousand dollars i don't remember exactly i just remember going to sleep and crying every night and being like them wow. like this is tough uh, that would be a tough pill to swallow. I don't know how I could. I don't know how I how to get it back. There's no way to get it back. But I was like, I don't have any more money to invest. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So then, I sat. I sat down and I was like, man, I really need to understand how all of this works and do sort of understanding not only how it works, but especially why is it going to be important? Because then I saw it more as, as a, an investment and a usage. So I really thought it was going to be the cash of the future and the currency mm -hmm. of the future. So I wanted to understand how it works and, and how I could uh, sort of use it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. That was the main goal when I got into it. Yeah. So I had none left, obviously. So I just got into research, started reading a lot about it and, um, and just understanding the technology, but also understanding uh, the reasons of why I thought it could be uh, a major innovation, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And I quickly started to realize that Bitcoin was great and it was really awesome technology. Mm. But the greatest thing about Bitcoin wasn't actually uh, the currency, but it was the technology that was sort of behind the currency. So we call it today, we call it blockchain. I mean, we always called it blockchain, but uh -huh. it, that's what blockchain is. And before going into what blockchain is and, and how it works, I want to be very clear that I, in my opinion, the main issue that we've had 
uh, in the industry with the media coverage and stuff like that is that instead of explaining the reasons of why it's useful for society of what it's going to bring to the table and and everything that it that it allows people to do mm. they've sort of decided to view it more as a how does it work what is the what are the technical aspects of it uh, under what protocol does it work and then use a bunch of jargon that nobody who's not in the space can understand yeah. and that brings huge barriers for people who might be interested but don't understand how, how things are working out yeah. it's like uh, i always imagined it as the email system Mm-hmm. So everybody now uses emails. Yeah. Uh, they, you can send an email to anybody. Mm-hmm. But how many people truly know how emails work and the protocol that's behind it and yeah. everything that goes into sending an email? Nobody really yeah. knows it, yeah. but everybody knows like emails are important because we yeah. use them every day. That's kind of the mentality I've had uh, over, over blockchain. So essentially, imagine it like an empty book. Okay, Blockchain is an empty book. And... To, to take to make it easy for the for the listeners um, we're gonna do it a, a based on our conversation so you have an empty book nothing is written on it and then you write at uh, 3 p.m eastern time they started the conversation um, Benoit is dressed with a white shirt and blue and you explain everything everything is explained so that if somebody was to come in midway through right now, and he could read it all and understand exactly everything that's happened. That's essentially what blockchain is. And it does it in a way that's decentralized. So there aren't a big infrastructure behind it. Mm-hmm. It's secured because it's essentially, if you want to hack a blockchain, you'd have to have all the computers that are working sort of to create and to, to make it work. So you, you give computational power uh, to the network because you don't have a bank, you don't have anybody that's working to, to move your money away. So yeah. computers are doing that. So yeah. you give your computer away. And the problem is that if you wanted to hack it, you would have to have 51% of the computational power to, to change the whole book essentially, or to add a chapter in the book and say something that never happened. Yeah. That would be one way to, 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 that would be the, one of the biggest ways to hack uh, Bitcoin, for example. But that's becoming, the more user they are of the blockchain, the harder it is because now there are thousands and thousands of computers and it, takes, it would take far too much energy and resources mm-hmm. to actually hack uh, into, into Bitcoin, which makes it very, very secure. And, and I mean, many research has been done from traditional yeah. companies and realized that the system is really robust. Yeah. Um, and many people sort of know it's, it's anonymous, but then it's kind of not anonymous. So ex- to really explain it easily, it's pseudonymous. So everybody gets given a wallet, which mm-hmm. is sort of where your Bitcoins are. Imagine the wallet is just a bunch of letters and numbers. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And everybody has one. So I can see your wallet if I go on the internet and Google it, and I can see where you've sent money. So to what wallets you've sent them to. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know your identity. I don't know who you are. I just know that there is a wallet named X that sends one Bitcoin to wallet Z. Yep. But I cannot know anything else than that. Yeah. That's why it's anonymous. It, anonymous kind of is a weird word because it's not actually anonymous. It's possible to, to know where the money is going, but it's under a pseudonym. So you don't actually know the identity of the person. Yeah. 
then blockchain also as a word, I think like people now only see it as a financial, uh, only, only being used for financial reasons. So search of cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. But the reality of um, this market is that it's much, much, much more than that because it's only a new way of storing information. So, right, the book analogy, it's just yeah. storing information. That's all yeah. it is. So it can be used in very, very many different aspects, such as um, imagine sending money abroad, right? Mm -hmm. um, you use, um, I don't know what's big in the US, maybe Western Union would yeah. be what you'd use yeah. to send money over. Now, the problem with that is that it takes a long time. It's usually costly. And it's just very inefficient. Well, if you work on cryptocurrencies, um, it takes a few minutes. Uh, it costs a small fee that's no matter how much you, you're trying to send, you'll pay the same fee. Mm -hmm. And there aren't uh, a bank or somebody that's taking a, a share of your money, essentially. Yeah. Just, just enough, the right number to make um, the market efficient and to, for everybody to work, basically. Yeah, so first but time you have a worldwide currency. I mean, that would be... That'd be amazing. Right. Now, we already know that with Bitcoin, it's going to be very difficult to make it a currency because the main issue with Bitcoin was that probably the creators, the because it, it, he has a, yeah, we, the scalability is a big problem with Bitcoin because it probably wasn't created um, to be as big as it is today. So it's great. Everything has worked out really well. But the problem with the network is that it's limited to seven transactions per second, approximately, okay. right? So it sounds like a lot, yeah. but then you take Visa, the credit card company, yeah. they make around 20,000 transactions per second. So if you were to have a cash system, the market would just overflow. There'd be too many mm. transactions and the times for the transactions to happen would be very long. So essentially that created uh, sort of a need in the market and other cryptocurrencies have started to emerge as a, the new peer-to-peer -peer cash system. Mm. Um, the first one was Bitcoin Cash that's very big today and that's used uh, as almost the second version of Bitcoin. Okay. It's doing everything that the Bitcoin white paper, so the, the document that cr uh, the creator of Bitcoins made to sort of say, this is the goal, this is what we want to yeah. achieve. Bitcoin Cash sort of used new technology to sort of make that happen again and make it a way of to, to have a more efficient market and to be able to give more transactions. Okay. And then over the years, um, we've seen some truly amazing stuff. Now, um, there are companies that uh, cryptocurrencies like Elrond, that's a, it blew up over the last couple of uh, weeks. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's a cryptocurrencies that wants to be as scalable as the internet. Mm. And they've been working on, basically, they saw that in 2017, we realized that Bitcoin transactions were starting to be expensive and take a lot of time, and we had to find a better solution. Mm. And they managed to create a new way of um, checking all the, all the data, so all the information that was in the book, yeah. and sort of, instead of reading everything, they just yeah. take the parts that are interesting to them. Okay. And that gains a lot of time, which means it gains a lot of energy from the computers that are checking it, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this gain time amounts to more transactions that you're able to do. Okay. So we passed from seven transactions per second. And now Elrond, so this new uh, project, can do about 
60,000 transactions a second. Mm -hmm. So three times as much as Visa can, which is incredible. And we're seeing sort of in terms of the money market, uh, an explosion of possibilities and of things that are coming out that uh, just get better and better over time. And it's cool to see because I remember in 2004, 14, 15, nobody would have expected such a growth at least yeah. this rapidly. Yeah. And it's great to see the industry getting bigger every year and having better projects coming out every year and less of the media saying Bitcoin is used to buy drugs online and yeah, scam and blah, blah, blah. And now it's a really big thing because it was funny back in the days, JP Morgan, all those banks would kind of say, well, Bitcoin is a scam, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you see now, nowadays in 2020, you see yeah. in the news, JP Morgan buys $400 million <laughs> worth of Bitcoin. Like so the switch in mentality over the last few years has been pretty crazy. So when, when, is, when are we going to see Warren Buffett make an investment in Bitcoin? Never. Problem with Warren Buffett is that he's <laughs> never been into technology. Yeah. He's never been into into technology stocks. Yeah. I mean, uh, he famously missed out on Intel. Uh, yeah. He he he's that's not his real field. Yeah. Uh, and it's not. It's Bitcoin is not tangible. It's not something you you can mm-hmm. hold in your hands. It's uh, it's 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 difficult for sort of the old school uh, yeah, investors yeah. to understand. But, we're but if I was to like- Elon and Mark Cuban right, right. making the investments and being very vocal about it, which is I yeah, know, guys absolutely everyone can respect. So that's awesome. To see. Yeah, for sure. We're getting a lot of traction and, and many people are starting to speak positively about it, which is brand new because all we've ever heard about it for the last mm-hmm. five years was it's terrible. It's a scam. You're going to lose all your money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now people have gotten the extent and the importance that blockchain is going to have that I'm going to talk, uh, that I can talk later about in different fields and things that are possible uh, in this sort of innovation sector. Yeah. And they've really appreciated the fact that, okay, yes, Bitcoin got famous because it was used to purchase drugs online. But since then, things have grown exponentially Mm -hmm. and sort of the usage for blockchain as a whole has grew bigger. It grows bigger every day. Mm -hmm. So... Actually, just to talk about, because I know a lot of people are going to say Bitcoin is a scam and it's used for drugs and for illegal uh, activities. Uh, There's actually been a study not too long ago, I think one or two months ago, uh, by a group that was actually paid by the United States Mm -hmm. to make a research and see, okay, so how much percentage of the Bitcoin transactions are going towards illegal uh, stuff? Yeah. And they've realized that it was actually less than the US dollar. So really? the US dollar has yeah. more usage in yeah. uh, illicit activities than Bitcoin <laughs> does. I think Bitcoin was about 0.38% of yeah. uh, transactions are being go- uh, are going illegally. And USD, so US dollar is mm. a bit above like 1% or something. Wow. That's crazy. Because now we're seeing also big governments that are like, hold up, like this is not adding up. We're... People are using a currency they can hide and not pay taxes on. And people are, countries are genuinely getting scared. I mean, we've seen over the last few weeks that a Nigerian senator that said Bitcoin made our currency useless and, and, and a thing from the past because people over there, the, the Nigerian currency sort of mm-hmm. went into huge uh, depreciation in value. Yeah. Um, 
due to inflation and, yeah. and other things that uh, people were like, why hold that currency if everybody's going to lose money when we can have some Bitcoins or another currency where yeah. we cannot just print money? That's the big yeah. argument that cryptocurrency has, especially during Corona. And Corona, sadly enough, has been one of the best things that could have happened for cryptocurrency because many countries are sort of mm. having to print a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, the US being the best example of that. You guys are just printing, yeah. printing, printing. And that creates inflation. That creates more supply to the market, hence a reduced uh, price of the currency. And the thing that's great with cryptocurrencies is that you can put how many uh, different coins or tokens out there. So Bitcoin is going to have 21 million uh, Bitcoins out there mm -hmm. and not a single one more, which instead of creating inflation like you'd have in a normal economy, mm -hmm. actually it creates deflation because the more people get in, then the more people get in, the more people are interested, but there aren't many more coins available. So yeah, create sort of yeah makes sense there's more demand than supply essentially yeah which is what has been driving the price up and yeah so and, like you were saying like you know with the with government you know starting to get scared i mean is there a possibility that they create their own cryptocurrency and then also do they have um authority to to take down you know cryptocurrencies it's a good question it's a good question so uh the European Union has actually been in discussion of creating a cryptocurrency for the euro uh, so that it could be used openly and regulated. And in the crypto community, regulation is kind of like a word that nobody wants to hear about because mm. it was created to not be regulated and yeah. to be completely decentralized and not have an entity that's surrounding it and sort of checking everything upon it. Yeah. However, we, we've seen an increase worry for from governments to sort of okay like this is actually getting pretty serious now we yeah. need to find a way to sort of have taxes made on it and 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 gains and stuff like that and yeah. some countries truthfully are much better than others uh i'm in switzerland there's um, some parts of switzerland where you can pay your taxes in bitcoin where it's pretty pretty advanced stuff and yeah the country has been going forward and pushing the innovation wow. while in other countries it's been much more difficult i know france has difficulties and mm. huge um taxes on gains and stuff like that uh, yeah. um the u.s has is kind of divided as the u.s always is because <laughs> of its political sides yeah. but there's yeah. sort of one side that's like free markets let it be people yeah. People have always been able to hide from taxes with cash, but they, they still pay their taxes and do what's right. And then the other side that says it needs to be regulated, it's used to buy illegal illegal stuff. And yeah. Yeah. it's just, it's just a, a debate that needs to happen. Uh, however, they realize that the more research they do, the more they realize that actually it isn't as bad as uh, the common person thinks it is essentially. Yeah. And, and that, it, there's actually a lot more good than bad in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. especially if governments can like, if, if maybe they could even team up or something, you know, and I mean, like you said, the, the trackability of where everything is going, all the transactions, I mean, that has to be pretty beneficial in their eyes. Right. You know, right. No, I mean, it's definitely, it's going to be useful for governments even outside of the currency aspect. Yeah. So, what would be really worrying would be that they create their own cryptocurrency 
and they have access to your names and your identity and they can see exactly how much money you're sending to anybody at any time and that would create almost a like I don't know if you've read 1984, but it would basically be a George Orwell, uh, the George Orwell book all over again, but in reality, what some people feel like Facebook is doing right now, but to a much deeper, uh, just much, much worse, essentially. So imagine since blockchain is used for information, mm -hmm. uh, it's actually very plausible and some countries are even considering it now that the votation system Oh, your, your, your volume is cutting out. I think it's, hold on. There you go. I can hear you now. Is it, is it better here? Yep. Okay. So essentially, yes. Yeah, so governments are starting to realize like the voting system is kind of difficult. Machines can be rigged, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. While blockchain, you cannot change the information. Once the information is made, you, it's impossible to change it. Yeah. So what some countries are deciding to do is to say, all right, how about we do our votations on a blockchain system so that it's fully transparent. Nobody knows who exactly voted for what, but there's, you can see the, the, the historic of the transactions. Yeah. It's technically unhackable. Uh, it could even be a, a, a private blockchain and, and it would work wow. almost yeah. perfectly essentially. And, and it would be very hard to, to change that information. So mm -hmm. while in countries like the U S and sort of, bigger nations it's less of an issue yeah. in countries uh that have huge corruption and stuff like that it could be very interesting for them to be able to to have that traceability yeah. uh blockchain is basically bringing traceability to spaces where there aren't any yeah so imagine sort of factory lines right mm -hmm. so when you buy coffee in a shop uh, you don't know where that coffee has been or what has been through or who made that coffee. Yeah. And now there's projects on the blockchain to be that people from realized, all right, like I don't want to buy coffee that's been three times over the globe where the guy who made it earned two cents for the bag while the supermarket makes 30 cents for the bag. Yeah. I'm inventing numbers, but yeah. you, you get the point. Get the, yeah. Essentially, yeah. So essentially, uh, a few companies are working on it right now and they're doing things that are truly exceptional uh on that aspect so it's going to be possible just to scan a barcode mm. and see every the coffee has that the coffee has um sort of your volume your volume's cutting out again Can you hear me better now? I can hear you. Yep. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I think my AirPods are out of battery. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Uh, what was I saying now? Oh, yes. Um, so, essentially, um, I sort of lost my train of thoughts here. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I, I was writing stuff down, too. I kind of forget where we... Okay. Okay. Now I remember. So the barcode stuff, right? So you're going to be able to see where the coffee has traveled to, to get to where it's at now. Yeah. And you're even going to be able to, if for example, you buy certain type of food and then you yeah. see, wow, that was really good. Um, the producer only made 
X amount on 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 the price that I, they were sold for, uh, and you could actually tip that man or that family that's been working on the production line and and who's actually made the product for you, and that's going to create sort of a massive traceability, and people are going to be able to sort of reach out and understand what has gone through the product, how it's a how it appeared here and and stuff like that. And for a few things, it's going to be is going to actually save people lives. Uh, you take India, for example, they've got a big crisis on sort of counterfeits uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. So they have medicine that have the they look like the actual deal, but instead yeah. inside there's a bunch of chemicals that are horrible for you and that are not helping you at all. Blockchain is going to be able to to change that. So you're going to be able to take the pack, you scan it with your phone, you're going to see what pharmaceutical companies produced it. Um, are they following the guidelines from all the countries or all the sanitary guidelines? Uh, has the uh, medicine been tested, et cetera, et cetera, to know if you're actually getting what you're paying for instead of just buying it and hoping and praying that it, it's yeah. it's what you need. And that's been killing millions and millions of people every year. Wow. And and that's been that's going to be able to change a lot of people's lives. So yes, the financial aspect of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mm -hmm. is very interesting because right now we live in a world where we might not see it and understand, but 1.8 billion people don't have access to a banking system and don't have access to things that we think are totally normal for 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 us. Mm -hmm. And and that's just with an internet connection, they're going to be able to have access to almost a full banking system where they can get loans and stuff like that. And yeah. things that they might not be able to get in their country or that uh, they might be discriminated or stuff like that. And this yeah. is going to be able to sort of reduce, hopefully, I mean, it's hard to say, but it's most likely going to reduce the, the gap between very wealthy countries and countries that are truly struggling. And it's going to be able to sort of bring, because if you don't have a place to uh, hold currency and hold value and you sort of have to store it, in your house and stuff it's impossible to have growth it's a bit like education education as is the most important aspect for growth um, monetary systems are are second so wow it's very important for the development yeah. of a nation yeah and it's going to be super important on super many on like many many health cares and you can do I, I mean i could go on and on about things you can do now even like People who have cloud storage, you know, most people now have cloud storage and some people take more pictures and some don't. And imagine you have, I don't know, eight gigabytes of cloud storage that you don't use. You can actually rent it out to, to, to a cryptocurrency and they will rent it out to people and you'll get paid every month for, for the storage you've been giving out. Yeah. Now, it's not going to be a lot of money, but you're yeah. getting paid for something you don't use anyways. So yeah, it's interesting in that aspect. Yeah. Wow, man. I mean, that's the benefits seem endless with the cryptocurrency system. I mean, and that's why I wanted to have you on. I mean, because there's so much hype right now, you know, like on yeah. social media and, you know, I wanted the people that are listening to this to kind of get some more insight on how it works. And then, you know, is the hype real? You know, we were hearing things about, you know, we hear, we're here, we're hearing a lot about Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, Dogecoin because of Elon Musk and stuff. And so, yeah. I just really like, even myself, I'm like, okay, I got to wrap my head around this. And, you know, just through going through the experience with you, the one thing that I learned, you know, with our, our bet, um, the one thing that I learned was that my, my thought was that in order to buy a Bitcoin, you had to just, you had to buy one Bitcoin. So I had to, 
my right. thought was I had to have forty thousand dollars to buy yeah. one Bitcoin. I didn't know that I could just buy a very small percentage of Bitcoin, and that really was like yeah. eye opening for me. I was like, oh, so normal people yeah, yeah, yeah. can invest in this. Yeah. yeah, because it's one of the things that the media has done a very poor job of explaining. Uh, right now, the price of Bitcoin today has historically passed the $50,000 line, and it's out of reach for 99.9% of the population. Nobody can risk that much money on a single asset. Let's just be realistic here. Yeah. However, they thought about that during the creation, and it's actually possible to buy a fraction of a Bitcoin to eight decimals after uh to, to eight decimals after the the, the, the coma or the dot uh, so you you can really buy a very small fraction of a bitcoin that's called a satoshi uh okay. so if you 0 0.870 zeros and then one is one satoshi okay. uh because satoshi is the pseudonym of the person who created bitcoin oh. that's the name he used nobody knows who he is yeah uh, if it's him if it's one guy yeah. but uh, it was like this after him essentially mm. and you you can really buy a really small amount however uh you always need to put in mind that you're gonna have to pay a fee to for the transaction uh depending on how busy the network is it's gonna be less or it's gonna be more yeah. but uh yeah. it's not worth it to buy two dollars worth of bitcoin because you're gonna spend more on fees than on actual bitcoin yeah. so yeah. Right now, that's the big problem with Bitcoin is and cryptocurrencies. Most cryptocurrencies like Ethereum that you've mentioned uh, is that fees are getting really big because so many new people are joining in the space and are getting interested into it. And but Ethereum is very is working on it very seriously and is adopting a new system so that um, they can counterattack that problem. But it takes time. So as of the time being, it's it's kind of goes against what blockchain wanted to do but sadly uh, scalability has been the issue and the rich are able to use uh, the most uh, sophisticated uh, protocols that cost a lot of fees in in uh, transactions and stuff and the people with less money are, are kind of struggling but that's really for the most advanced users yeah. uh, unless if, unless you want to start using smart contracts which are um, an automation of tasks essentially they work on the semantic of if something happens then do this that's what a smart contract is so you could you could write it like if ethereum uh, reached two thousand dollars sell two ethereums that i have okay. you could do it like that could be a bunch of different stuff and then that has opened a new field called decentralized finance, which is basically you take the banking system, the traditional banking system that's everywhere around the globe, and you're trying to make the same thing without any intermediaries. So you're trying to cut out the bank, cut out the people in between and have it work only on codes and on computer language. And that's been the, the ever-growing sort of part of the industry that's getting a lot of hype because a lot of people are talking about it, as you said, some really famous people like Elon Musk and, and Mark Cuban are starting to get into the space and are really just talking about it constantly and it's raising the price. But I also think that people need to be very uh, regarding of hypes, especially in cryptocurrency because take the Elon Musk, uh, for example, right? So the situation with Dogecoin is kind of dangerous. 
Now, I don't think that Elon Musk did anything wrong, unlike some people think in the field, but the people are just very uneducated about the subject. And if Elon Musk says something about it, then it's truth and he's a semi-god, yeah. you know? Uh, I like to refer to him as the modern day Midas. So everything he touches turns into gold. Yeah. Uh, he, has, uh, he has sort of a cult following that is willing to do anything that, that he says is worthwhile. Very true. Good or bad, I don't know. Done some incredible stuff nobody can take that away from him yeah but the problem with dogecoin is that it was created as a joke okay yeah. it, it was somebody who liked bitcoin looked into it and it was a team of guys who were like you know what let's make the currency of the internet we'll call it dodge because at the back in the days that used to be the big meme and and just make it sort of as a joke yeah and the difference between dogecoin and bitcoin the main one being is that Dogecoin doesn't have a limited supply, meaning they can print, not print, but they can add as many coins as they want to the market. Yeah. And big, big holders of Dogecoin. So like 80% or I, I'm inventing numbers right now because I don't actually remember, but a, a large part of the, the full um, the full supply is owned by very few people, mm. which creates mm. sort of that risk that okay, maybe Dogecoin does reach $1, like Elon Musk said, but those guys are going to start wanting to sell and they're going to dump all their coins on the market, mm -hmm. creating a huge supply and the demand is going to drop dramatically and people are going to lose a lot of money. And I've had a, a lot of people sort of text me and email me and ask me about Dogecoin. And I was like, guys, let me be honest, this is not an investment. It's something that you do as a joke. It's yeah. the currency of the internet. I have some as a joke as well, but it's not something that you should think like it's going to reach $1. Everybody's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, it's the new, is the new Bitcoin. It's Can not you the case. Purchase them on like, um, like other, like on the other markets, like crypto.com or blockchain, like, or do you have to, how do you even purchase? Yeah, so um, you need to see on an exchange that's allowing a transaction in Dogecoin. So oh. essentially, uh, there's two types of exchanges. So there's companies that uh, let you buy and sell cryptocurrencies on their website. Mm -hmm. And then there are DEX, which are called decentralized exchanges. So they are essentially an exchange that's created on lines of code and that's running almost autonomously. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't need anybody behind it to work. Gotcha. Now, it's possible to buy it on both ways. You just need to find an exchange that supports Dogecoin. Okay. Uh, that's how you, you would buy it. Um, it's, I don't think it's possible to buy Dogecoin directly in, from dollars. Um, you're probably going to have to take dollars, put it into Bitcoin or Ethereum, and then transfer the Ethereum and Bitcoin to Dogecoin. Gotcha. Um, okay. it's, it's a bit of a big thing. And unfortunately, a lot of people lost a lot of money because it was a hype stock, almost like the, the, what happened with GameStop over the last, uh, the last month. People talked about it. Everybody jumped on the train. Price went skyrocketed. And then people lost interest and the price collapsed. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what happened. And it, it, was, it was going to happen. Everybody that knows the space knew that it was going to happen. But because Elon Musk said it, you could warn people as much as you wanted. Uh, it was impossible to, 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 to have people change their minds. And I think as much as a lot of projects are being talked about that are awesome and are truly changing uh, the world, that, or at least their industries as a whole, uh, 
please do your research on what you're investing. I mean, at the end of the day, you're putting your hard-earned money on on a company or or on a service, mm-hmm. and just like you would want uh, to put it in stocks and you, you, you'd want it to put in something you trust or in something you believe in. Mm-hmm. Same for cryptocurrencies. At the end of the day, um, they're trying to solve a problem and make the world a better place. Look at the team who's building it. Are they three college dudes that have no background in technology or are they people that have been working on projects for years? Then see what is the roadmap? What do they want to do? Do they have enough funding to achieve what they want to do? Because it's not free to have like 17 developers for three years developing something. And then seeing, okay, like what, what, what are their goals? What have they done? And stuff like that. And once you start truly understanding the space yeah. and I think information is the biggest, biggest value on cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, an investor, uh, personally, and I have a fund for uh, people to invest with. And essentially, 90% of my job is reading papers. 90% of my job is going through something called white papers. And so to read the project, what are they willing to do? What is their team? Uh, How are they going to achieve certain things and stuff like that? Once you truly have that and you understand what the goal of the company is, then you can assess, would I invest in it? Would I not? But if somebody talks about it and you just throw some money on it, you're not using your own judgment. You know, yeah. it's uh, always invest in things you understand. If you don't, I've I've missed out on huge opportunities on projects that have done 50x, 100x because I didn't understand what their goal was, and that's okay. Yeah. You need to be understanding that you're gonna miss out on projects. I've missed out on 50 bitcoins that were stolen from me that yeah. would be worth enough for me to retire now. Yeah. Wow. It's life. It happens in that in that industry. Uh, volatility is a big aspect of it. Your money is going to fluctuate a lot. Yeah. Don't get scared if you only throw money you can afford and hold it. If it's a project that you believe in, keep it in, and you will see over time your money will most likely grow. Yeah. So that's what, what I would tell most people. And I think that's what's most important in this space right now. Yeah, well, I think you did an amazing job of describing the system and the benefits and the possibilities that we can look forward to in the future with this. I I know I'm more excited about it after listening to you. I'm sure like my audience, you know, a lot of my audience are are males, uh, like on Instagram, you males 25 to 40 years old. Um, So, you know, if they're if they're watching this and they want to get started, you know, and they're and they're analyzing their own portfolio what kind of investment would you make if you were, if you were, you know, to advise them or give them some, uh, you know, some, some tips, like, is this something that we should be not go, you know, not go all in, you know, you know, what, what percentage would you think of our portfolio? Should we be like, you know what, I'll give 10% of what I, you know, what I have into it. Right. Right. So what I usually tell people is that, if you don't really have any knowledge in blockchain and you're not willing to put in the time to read about it and to really get interested and educated on the subject, then I would strongly consider putting five, maybe 10% of your portfolio of your entire investment part and you throw it into uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin or the large, the main coins that are here to stay. Okay. Uh, You can do some research. You can, there's a couple great YouTubers that talk about it. Um, there's a few, there, there's really a lot of content now outside that's really uh, been super beneficial for a lot of people, including me. So 
really do your research. Basically, what I would say is the more research you're willing to do, the more risk you can take. Yeah. That's okay. what I would do. Yeah. So if 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 you take some time and just read a bit and and see what cryptocurrencies are and you think it's it's important, then buy into Ethereum. It's the largest project. It's very unlikely that it will be uh, beaten or or changed in the next couple of years. Uh, Bitcoin is here to stay as well. It's the one that's mainly What's the mindset the that we should have if we're making an investment. Should our mindset be, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put this money in there um, because we do believe in it. And, you know, should the mindset be like, this is going to be in there for the next five to 10 years, and then it's going to be, then it's going to be more mainstream or how should, how should we look at this? I think the, the biggest mindset would be buy it and forget about it because I've seen far too many people. So I've been long in it long enough to see the market really fluctuate. I mean, I've, Write Bitcoin from twenty thousand to four thousand and back to fifty thousand. Yeah, like people don't understand. People who get in now, they don't understand the amount of volatility that goes into it. Okay, uh, you can okay. make and lose a lot of money in a given week, day, or even in a, in in an hour. Yeah. All right, it's it things it happens. It's like that. No, don't think you can predict the market because you can't. I've no very very smart people, much smarter than me who are working their lives on trying to figure out if they can beat the market yeah. and and with all the machinery, all the funds necessary, trust me, it's not something you can do. Okay. However, yeah. what, what what is really possible is if you look at the price of Bitcoin, because it's the most famous one, it's the one I use to show, uh, it's rarely lost money over a one-year period. Mm. If you look like February, the prices of February... It's, it hasn't happened yet that it's been down for two years. So if you throw the money down, you keep it for, I, I would keep it for a few years, as you said. Uh, also, don't do the mistake that all of us did, which is buy cryptocurrency, watch the price every two minutes, because yeah. you're going to grow some gray hair and you're going to be overly stressed for the rest of your life. And it's not what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, throw money that you can afford to lose. Okay. Do as much research as you can. Don't just buy into the coins that a YouTuber told you about because he's probably getting paid to promote them. Uh, really do your research on everything. And okay. it's basically the biggest, the biggest coins are the safest ones, right? Bitcoin, Ethereum, Chainlink, all of those are the safest ones. Okay. Once you go down the list is the more research you should do. Now, over time, my strategy is now I, I only almost only invest in, ver in startups in small companies mm -hmm. and uh, I sort of keep them over time. But I've been able to do that because I've read countless of papers. I've known I've started to understand how the why the team is important. Funding is important, stuff like that, um, that I didn't. And truthfully, I've lost a lot of money over time. Uh, on stupid decisions because I followed what somebody had told me without doing my own research and stuff like that. So it's a space that's very new. Uh, it's very hot right now. People are talking about it. People want to invest, but please do your due diligence and, and read. And, 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 and if you don't have time, that's fine. You can, um, Bitcoin Swiss uh, is, a, is a company that uh, have an investment fund where you can just, they, they put the, you, you put some money on it and they will diversify it into a couple of cryptocurrencies. And like this, you will have sort of a share of them of the bigger coins of the market. Yeah. 
It's what I would consider doing. Uh, if you're willing to go more risks, then there are a couple companies uh, that can do it for you. And if you want to do it yourself, know that it's going to take a while of education to understand what you need to do. Okay. It's hard to give a time frame because it depends how hard you work, but it's taken me one year and a half approximately to go further than the basics and to really understand the mechanics and how things work. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, we're, we're an hour and 30 minutes into the podcast. I think that you've given us so much information and, you know, I just want to, you know, encourage everyone to reach out to you if that's all right with you. If they yeah, that's fine. I can send you my email as well. If people are willing to email me, I, I would be happy to, to talk with anybody who is interested. Yeah, so. I mean, like I said, most of my following is in the bleeding disorder community. So, I mean, yeah. you would be an awesome resource on so many topics, the crypto topic, um, you know, overcoming adversity, stuff like that. So I think that you're going to be a, a huge role model for our community. And I appreciate you jumping on and taking the time to, to join the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was great. I had a good time. And whenever you want to do this again, I'll be more than willing to, to go along with your projects and whatever you need to do. I think what you do is great for the community and somebody had to do it. And it's great that you're doing it and you're doing such a good job at it. I, I followed you for a while before reaching out to you, but uh, yeah. I'm glad I did. Yeah. I'm and it's well. So hopefully we can maintain our relationship and just keep on, you know, growing together from here.